0: Greetings sci-fi universe, Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Welcome to Sci-Fiction Radio. On today's show, we have Scott Nakata of Escape's Props. Hold tight while
1: well, he joins the show. Scott, you there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. Can you hey, hear me? Man? Yeah, we got Chris here too. Welcome to the show, man. How's it going, you guys? Okay. So, Scott, uh, well, first off, Chris, introduce yourself and tell everybody
2: what you're doing stuff. Well, my name is Chris Dawson, and I work in the motion picture industry as a visual effects digital artist, visual effects supervisor, whatever pays the rent. On uh, Star Trek. Renegades, I am one of three other visual effects supervisors, which include Tobias Richter and Michael Strzok. Okay. Uh,
0: Scott, introduce yourself to everybody about what you do and everything.
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Scott Nakata. I make props for a living. I also do production design and art direction on Star Trek Renegades. And um, that's me in a nutshell, pretty much.
0: Awesome. Now, for the listeners, it's curious, Scott, what are some of the projects you've been involved with? I know you're into a lot of – in the world of sci-fi and a lot of stuff. What are some of those projects?
1: Uh, generally, really Trek-related. A lot of fan films, um, smattering of other uh, films also, but it's primarily Trek. So, Star Trek Continues, um, hmm. Star Trek Renegades of Gods and Men, um, Star Trek Secret Voyages uh, – for whatever reason, probably because of my, of my general background and uh, Star Trek geekiness, I uh, wind up doing a lot of Star Trek stuff.
0: Gotcha. That's awesome. I'm a big Trek fan myself. I understand on that. Chris, you worked in a multitude of things, including Renegades that you mentioned. What are some of the other sci-fi things and stuff that
2: you worked on? Well, I've worked on uh, I've worked on a bunch of science fiction movies, movies. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I was. I do. A, I used to do a lot of uh, motion control camera work for films. I, mm-hmm. I shot the Titanic sinking. I shot the Titanic floating. I shot oh, wow. a spaceship for Armageddon, and um, I've done de aging effects on Bruce Willis for Surrogates, which I think was one of the last great science fiction films, um, actually, and. Right. Um, so I, I work I work professionally in motion picture industry. So uh, yeah, I haven't gotten to do as much science fiction as I would have liked. I wish every mm. show was a science fiction show, but uh, that's not always the case. <laughs> mm. Well, I worked on. Well, I guess I could okay. tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I should tell you I worked on uh, Star Trek Nemesis as a motion control artist, uh, motion control op- camera operator. And doing all the scenes with double betas, so we needed a precision oh, wow. motion control camera system. So anytime you saw double data and the camera was moving, that was a shot I was involved in.
0: Wow. Well, let me let me ask you some questions about that. Nemesis is a great film. It's kind of like the Wrath of Khan of the uh, next gen series, in my opinion. Uh
1: What,
0: wow. what is it like? Yeah. <laughs> what is it like working on? Uh, that 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 kind of set and that kind of uh that kind of environment like how was it working with Brent Spiner and stuff like
2: that Well it was um you know you want to take a professional attitude so I sort of had to mm. hide my Trek geek um <laughs> everybody who hired me knew that I was a Trek fan and it was pretty obvious once I got the set when I was you know just walking along the corridors of the Enterprise looking around you know mm-hmm. um in my capacity as a camera essentially I was a camera operator on that show for the visual effects side of it. And um uh-huh. it was it was great. I mean it, this was um this was a director who was new to the Star Trek franchise and he had a he had a view of it that he wanted to take. Um the craft the cast who I, I had worked with them previously on Star Trek Insurrection for a number of days on one of the outdoor sets uh where where Captain Picard and Anish were going into forward into time. There was a little bird, I worked on that. But um they're very professional and and it was um there was uh, there was some there was some cutting up a little bit, you know, I mean this, those guys had worked together for so many years and they were very comfortable around one another. Um but uh but basically it was, you know, either on time do your job, get the shot, go home. Mm.
0: Well, Insurrection's a fantastic film as well. That part with the birds actually one of if not one of my my main favorite scenes. What exa- did, now that bird? I'm sure was CGI. Or am I wrong on that? Or how how, how did that filming go with that? How how did you how did you uh, go about
2: that? Well, that was a motion control shot. Um, on that one, I actually was not the camera operator. I was, uh, invited to fill in for someone who couldn't be there that day. And, uh, as a camera assistant and the guy inviting me knew just how much of a Trek fan I was and I was available. It was over, it was over the course of a couple weekdays and, um, like three or four weekdays. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I get to the location, and I saw the whole Baku village, and I was like, "Wow, this is really cool and uh then we wow. were actually we were actually drove up and out to a, if i remember correctly kind of a field this was up in uh, it was up in near malibu um and um so got to set the the basically what we did was we were shooting um Patrick Stewart and Donna murphy were sitting on a rock. And the camera was – it was a simple shot, really. The camera was to dolly in, and they were having a lot of problems with the electronics being out on location. And so that's why why I got three days out of it, four days out of the job as opposed to just one. (laughs) And so anyway – the bird was CG. The bird was added later. The speed-up effect was, was sort of done later on. And um, the reason why they did motion control was so that they could do multiple passes. They had a waterfall there, and I believe they were going to try to slow it down. But it, when I saw the shot, I did not work on the on the CG side of it. But when I saw it, I sort of had a feeling that they might have replaced the waterfall we shot on location. But it was a lot wow. of fun. It was really interesting to see the cast outdoors. Um, you know, and and being there I got to kinda of hang out and watch a couple of other scenes. There were there was a couple of scenes that we shot that I was involved in again as a camera assistant, not in my usual title, but um they didn't make the movie. It was a high speed shot of Captain Picard. It was it was a bunch of shots that just didn't make the movie. There's a lot of shots that don't make movies. And um, yeah. but the crew was was having a great time. I mean, I remember Jonathan Frakes as being such such a great guy, and I worked with him later on on a movie called Clock Stoppers, and um, oh, oh. Uh, I worked very directly with him on that. And he was uh, just he's a really a joy to work with. Very professional, very uh, but but on the other hand, very friendly. You know, not in an undisciplined right. crazy way, but in a in a very like we're having a good time here let's 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 do our best and and that's mm-hmm. what you got it was just great. Right. so yeah it was a good experience so you mentioned working Grand on clock stoppers loves, yeah
0: okay. Okay. I was saying you mentioned working on clock stoppers and that's the villain and that was michael bean the guy that played the soldier from the future in terminator am i correct on that
2: you know what i i don't remember because i haven't actually seen the film he wasn't in any of the shots i worked on um I yeah. actually a lot of movies I work on I I don't go see. So uh obviously I saw the Star Trek films but um right. Yeah, it was uh I was working with I believe it was the young boy and um his girlfriend. It was a scene in a kitchen where time slowed down that we were doing mm-hmm. and I don't know the context of the shot but there was a he was spraying some water or somebody was spraying water at him or something oh, like that I and then that scene. Yeah, and then there was another scene later on where we were in some sort of containment area, some sort of looked like a high-tech area, and um, we did some motion control photography in that, too. And that was filmed down at Downey in in a former satellite facility. It was really neat. Wow. Wow. Well, the
0: film Renegades, um, now for Scott, here's a question for Scott. He previously worked in the film Star Trek of Gods and Men, and now both of y'all are working on Renegades. Just curious, like for Scott, on um, your question. How does working on Renegades actually differ from like the previous film, like Star Trek Gods I Men? Is it more involved in the creation process? And can you elaborate
1: on that? Well, Chris and I actually worked on Renegades, to get, or I'm sorry, of Gods and Men together. That's oh. how we uh, initially met. So but the uh, the process on this is a lot different from what we did on Renegades. Or, I'm sorry, on yeah. Gods and Men. Renegades mm-hmm. is much more, um, uh, shall we say, developed. Um, mm-hmm. Gods and Men was fantastic for, you know, what we were doing during the uh, the, the really the the startup, if you will, of mm-hmm. the uh, fan film movement. Um, but with renegades we have just a lot more development uh much more of a studio like uh uh process going on here so you know uh a lot, we're doing a lot more uh uh just simple design work uh previs a lot more of this stuff that you would see in a traditional film studios uh, going into this but admittedly being you know what it is. It's not quite one hundred percent. You know everything that you would see in the studio because, well, for one thing, we don't have as many department heads or people in place. So uh-huh. uh, it's it is a, a, a great uh, great product that we're putting out, and I feel uh-huh. that could or has the potential to definitely go somewhere. So, um. You know, I hope that uh, answers the question. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. Well, the film
0: has it has a multitude of performers that have acted in like several sci-fi series, ranging from Star Trek, of course, to Stargate, even movies like Blade Runner. Can you tell us a little bit about you know the plot of the film and some of the characters and things?
1: Well, I don't know if I really can tell you too terribly much beyond what's been released. Um, mm. Our core crew is uh, essentially a group of misfits, um, mm. and it uh, clearly in the trailers you see some elements of Starfleet there, and uh, even a smattering of a hint of a uh, special operations, and that's essentially mm. what Star Trek Renegades is. It's the, it's all about the missions and things that you know have to exist in a civilized society for it to exist. That you never hear about, of mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, would,
0: secret missions.
1: Exactly.
2: Gosh.
0: Yeah, what's I, I would
2: say that it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, is so. Uh, what are you saying, Chris? Well, I would I would say that Renegades is a side of Star Trek. Again, yeah, we can't we can't really tell too much about what's going on, but I think it's safe to tell you that you're going to be you're going to be seeing the world of the future from a different pair of eyes. You know, I mean, a lot of Star Trek, with the exception of possibly Deep Space Nine, has been pretty much from the Starfleet point of view. And um, we have that, certainly, but we're also looking at the world from another point of view as well. So, you know, the, the to me, some of the best episodes, the best presentations of, the, of any Trek have been the times when we we get to see glimpses of what the world is like outside of, you know, Kirk on the bridge or Captain Cisco um on the bridge of the Defiant. Whenever we you know, I I think Deep Space Nine showed us a lot more of the outside world and some of the machinations that go on. This takes this this goes towards that too. So your your Star Trek experience will be even more well rounded when you've watched this movie. Oh nice. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, me and uh, Scott had talked about this before. Then I was just gonna ask you both, but uh, maybe you can both can elaborate. elaborate. Uh, this is a cool thing I was—we were talking about the character of Icha, played by actor Manu. Forgive me, I don't know exactly how to spell it. Intoraini. I don't know if that's correct, but uh, is a good bit different in appearance than Renegades than he was, like in the uh, show Star Trek Voyager. Can you guys tell us a little bit about? He supposedly has like uh, a transforming Borg arm and uh, what was y'all's
2: role in uh bringing that character to life exactly uh well hey I'll jump in on that um the uh well Scott can Scott should talk about the design of anything but um again uh we we have characters that this is this is sometime after Voyager has come back uh, huh. it's been banded around that it's about ten it's at least ten years after Voyager's return. So that puts it probably I forget forgetting the exact timeline, but that puts it at least six, seven years, maybe six years after Nemesis. So right. there's a lot going on in the universe. Um if you read the Star Trek novels, there's a lot going on in the universe. Um huh. but um we're we're at a point past where they are right now. So so fortunately, even though we don't really they didn't really take that into account but um the characters have been through other things um in that interim time, and um the uh all of them have grown, and all of them the ones that we've seen before um have moved on to other things, so you know each head's a little older, he's a little wiser, he's a little more beat up uh you know. I, I guess that would answer the question on that. But he's he's Icheb. I mean, he's still Echeb. He's just not a kid anymore.
0: Right, right, right. And uh, so Scott, you, he had said Chris had said about you designing it. What, what's your uh, role in that? Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, really, um, for Renegades, a lot of it. We have a, a group of designers, a team of designers working on this, and. I, I directly oversaw the team that was designing this and uh contributed to the design myself. Mm. But there are several different um shall we say looks for uh each mm. characters or I'm sorry each oh, wow. character uh, f- uh throughout the film and you know this is largely in part to uh, uh contributed mm-hmm. by the makeup crew um post production artists um and uh, conceptual designers on this as well. So mm-hmm. um, I think more than any other character, each obs- uh, from a visual standpoint is the one that's most in flux throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Well, you had mentioned, that's another character, You, Scott, you had mentioned some really cool information pertaining to the uh, origins of the uh, creation of the Breen's costume, armor, and helmet. Can you share that story and how that was uh, created for the Renegades? <laughs>
2: um,
1: yeah. Um, so uh, the uh, costume that we wound up using, um, when you see it in the uh, the film clips, uh and I'm going to reference those because anyone that's listening right now can probably Google it and pull it up. So when we start looking at the base costume, uh, it's uh-huh. a leather piece and you take a look at it and you should probably pull up an image from the film The Last Starfighter. This is wow. one of the few remaining Last Starfighter costumes that were that are out there. Um as it so happened our uh one of our uh uh crew members Mark Lynn, had possession of this costume um uh, hmm. and brought it with him uh for uh, for whatever reason. I don't know what it was specifically. But uh, we our uh, costume for uh, this was uh, delayed, and so we reached out to uh, Dragon Dronay. Uh-huh. So Dragon arrives on set, and, and, you know, it's one of those craziness things, and uh, takes a look at it and says, oh, yeah, I can go ahead and take care of it, and does. I mean, it was a fantastic piece of work that he wound up cranking out. Um, him and his friend uh, uh, Lucky uh, and then uh, there's uh, Rain and uh, Doc Gibson who were visiting uh, from out of town, came through and uh, put this together for us. Hmm. Well, they fabricated such a fantastic job that it just when you look at the, the uh, Deep Space Nine version of the helmet and this uh, separately. You know, you really can't see too much of a deviation. But when you put them side by side, the, the new helmet really just speaks um, volumes about uh, what's different, what's changed, and a lot more uh, to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was fabricated in a uh, uh, compressed amount of time, which just speaks to uh, the capability of that crew. Uh, that group of mm. people just came through fantastic for us. So uh, the uh, the helmet and the uh, upper body armor was fabricated uh, by uh, Dragon Drenate, and um, it, it's really a fantastic piece of uh, workmanship and uh, craftsmanship that went into it. Wow. Mm. Uh-huh.
0: Well, th- here's a double question for both of y'all. We can both elaborate on this. Now, y'all both worked and you said y'all had met on Gods of Men. Now, the bridge set for that film, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was created by James Colley and crew from the Phase 2 Project. And uh, both Michelle Nichols and Walter Canning from the original series uh, had starred in that film. Can you guys elaborate and tell us like, about Michelle and Walter's uh, opinions and feelings when they were back on the bridge of the Enterprise for the first time.
2: Yeah, well, I I wasn't I wasn't there. So Scott, take it away. I actually wasn't on the landing <laughs> part of it.
1: <laughs> I met Chris in uh, post production on of Gods and Men. Um, the uh, Walter, I don't really remember. Uh, I believe it was his second time on the set. Um. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing interviews with him saying uh, the sets were fantastic and their archival quality. Um, wow! But I remember being on the uh, the bridge when Nichelle walked in, and I remember seeing her w- wearing a white suit, and um, she uh, and, uh, and the entire cast and crew and uh, people standing around that. The uh, locals and Michelle walking onto the bridge, looking around like a almost like a child looking uh, at, at something fantastic for the first time. And she walked in. She started welling up a little bit in the, with some tears and her, and uh, maybe a little quiver in the lip. I don't remember exactly too much, but I I think that's about right. And she sat her chair she sat her purse down on uh the uh, communications chair, looked around and said, Gene is here. And wow. that was one of the most powerful, compelling things that just made that experience uh just one of the coolest things ever that you could have ever been or present to witness.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Gee whiz. Uh, I must have been like just cu- just a shock to be back on that bridge after all those years. That we well, got, we've got
1: is okay, go uh, that set that we filmed on uh, was really or is really uh, a beautiful piece of work. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no two ways about it. I mean, when you walk onto the bridge set and you put your hand down. Uh, down over your eyes so you covered the upper uh open space in the ceiling. You mm. it felt like you were on the Enterprise. There was no two ways to say it because that set was a full three hundred and sixty degree three hundred and sixty degree bridge set. Wow. Um it, it was Jeez. it was really a beautiful thing. It was pretty crazy just to be on that. Wow. I bet so man. Bet so, that's awesome.
0: Well, we've got a little bit of time left. I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about, since you're both working on Renegades, um, you you both got, you know, there's a lot of ships in that movie, ranging from, like, Federation, like, uh, to alien ships. What First off, first question for both of y'all, what is each of yours' favorite ship from the film? And about the Renegades vessel itself, assume that's Federation, and can you all elaborate, uh, you know, like, a little bit about that ship and some of its features or whatever y'all know about that?
1: Well, um, myself, I think my favorite vessel of the whole thing is mm-hmm. the uh, the rangate ship itself, the Icarus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say too much because I really don't want to give too much away. Um, for one, I would love to, you know, just be able to uh, spread my wings a little bit more and get into some more professional filmmaking. Um, or even pick up a couple professional uh, jobs. Um, So, uh, again, without giving too much away about it, what I really like about uh, Icarus is that it really is um, unique, if you will, Mm -hmm. without actually leaving the boundaries or confines of Trek completely. Right. Right. Um, USS Archer is also a very very uh, unique collaboration if you will uh, mm-hmm. Sternbach worked on that um, along oh, wow. with myself um, and then John Eves designed our new Klingon Warbird um, and, uh, the good. again another fantastic build uh, or a design and Tobias Richard built that model Mm. So uh we we've got other vessels coming through the pod pipeline there's uh another vessel that we saw early on in a lot of the early advertising materials uh, mm. that's another ship that looks fantastic all, as well um so between everything i think that Icarus is probably a uh a, a favorite of mine personally oh that's
0: awesome we have a little bit of time left are there any website links for both of you or info that we you could guess to give out about your various projects and work? Um, Scott,
1: you oh, got, I got a really good you website. Uh, you know, you I saw, got a I really good say, website. Yeah. Go ahead, go. You got anything, Chris?
2: Oh. Well, I don't have a website. I used to have a website of all my space art, and I just didn't keep it up. And I keep saying that I'm going to make one and do it up nice, um, and I just, uh my landlord has not let me have the time. Um so uh <laughs> neither are my bill collectors. So okay. um my stuff is mostly uh for my artwork is mostly on my Facebook page. Uh gotcha. and um my I you can look at me at the Internet Movie Database and see what I've been doing. Um Okay. And that's that's like an online resume. Um okay. But that's it for me. <laughs> what about you? So,
1: well, for me, uh, you can take a look at some of those stuff that I do at www.xscapesprops.com. That's xcapesprops.com. Or you can probably just Google my name, Scott Nakata, watch my uh, little short blurb on IMDb pop up, and then take a look at my Facebook page as well. um also- Yep. Well,
0: Scott, Chris, it was a pleasure having you guys on the show. I wish you all the best and all you guys do and live long and prosper, guys. Thank you. Thank all you right, for thank having me. Most welcome. Goodbye. Bye bye. Good